Should we count this down? Yeah, sure. All right, three, two, one. And welcome to the Backseat Playlist. Thank you. I burned my throat on coffee. <laughs> You're like ready to count this down? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yes. Oh, no. And uh, no, countdown 911, please. <laughs> Nine one, yeah. <laughs> Here we are, episode four. We're gonna Remember talk- last episode when I said I like a vocalist to have a little bit of a, a raw throat feeling for intimate songs? Yeah. After that sip of about. coffee, I could... I could Write a heartfelt <laughs> pro, song. Pro tip producers out there, if your vocalist is not doing what you want them to do, burn their throat with some 340-degree coffee. But make sure you Two, put it... 200-degree coffee. Make sure you put yeah. it in the contract first. They can't sue you for that, though. Sneak don't it want, in there. Fine print. Exactly. You don't want any of that McDonald's shit happening. You should you. have scanned a PDF and made it negative so you can see that I used a just barely lighter white font <laughs> to sneak that in. <laughs> it's invisible ink. The only way you can view it is to put urine <laughs> like national treasure. Well, I think we always have an office reference in, in every episode. We've got to. Why not? Why not? But uh, here we are, the season redux. Season one redux, episode four. We are working our way through our input Sub list. Sub-series three. Dewey Decimal System Code 3. I don't even know how to do this. Is it we, point? Is it a dot? I don't know. I'll figure it out for next episode. I feel like there's... I feel like something has to do with like alphabetical of the author's name? If it isn't no. there like numbers, isn't the decimals? It, yeah. Dewey decimals, it's a decimal. And then but the, I, I know that the the numbers before the decimal mean something okay. as well. We'll figure it out. I think we'll, it divides it into fiction or nonfiction. Ooh. What are we? Are we fiction or are we nonfiction? Non. <laughs> I am a fictional being. But, uh, Probably yeah. fiction. This this audio advice podcast should be labeled under fiction. <laughs> so we can't be sued for lies. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so last episode we talked about Snare, the bane of our existence. Or the love of your life, depending on... Like any, I mean, honestly, I feel like the love of your life is also the bane of your existence. Maybe that's just my view on relationships and it's not healthy, but... That might not be the healthiest thing. It yeah. might not be, but... You should stop seeking out snare drum quality relationships. (laughs) Pick an instrument that's never going to let you down. You should pick something like Tom's. They're pretty damn easy. (laughs) (laughs) Also, not, they're either, I don't know, they're they're similar to snares. There's not as much variance, but I feel that there's a very narrow area of acceptance for Tom's. There's, okay, I'll, I'll, there's many narrow areas. I feel like, I feel like Tom's, you kind of can get away with anything because, I mean, unless you have a, I mean, if you're, if you listen to any, any given record, how many songs on that record are heavily Tom based? Maybe one, maybe two. Yeah, band dependent. But I feel like Tom's are the least hit drum. Yeah. And so I Probably. feel like you can kind of get away with maybe not the greatest of toms. And I also right. feel like but, when in doubt, either depending if it's a rack tom, high pass the hell out of it or low pass the hell out of it. I'm fair. not saying do this. This is not right. the greatest. But if you have no choice. You can get away. It, there's more leeway. I feel like toms have the most leeway but out of I all the drum I feel kit. like there are finite there's narrow lanes to get it right, but there's a lot of narrow lanes to get it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like, like that's an oxymoron, but I like it though. It's each, so like, you know, I don't know how to like, it's, there's not a lot of gray area between right and wrong. Mm-hmm. There's like n- many narrow gray areas yeah. between what's right and wrong. And it's, it's very, I mean, if you have a, a shit player, it, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, I like it that. It's good to probably have the awareness of what 
just the way to approach the drum kit and recording it and coaching people through playing it that you don't have to settle. Yeah. That's the whole point of the game is, you know, uh, we're not, you know, the top dogs in the industry, but we're not just nobodies. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... I've, I've totally lost my point with that. Yeah, <laughs> let's start off. I started so thinking I about feel Top like, Gun. I feel like we can kind of skip over some of the stuff that we've done with the other drums because I feel like we've made it pretty damn clear that you know, if you want to know about wood, if you want to know about you know, if you want, I think we made this just like joke last episode. But if you want to know about sizes and wood, when wood sizes, yeah. refer to the kick and the snare. It's pretty much the same for toms, you know. Yeah, I mean, you've got even, different woods, different I could materials. Sum it up. I'll just sum it up. In sum it up for less us. than a minute. Maple is are your you good... analog summing or are you digital summing? Uh, Bing. Got the, it. The plug big plug-in company that shouldn't be named, their one summing plug-in that technically doesn't <clears throat> really add anything. I know what you're talking about, and I don't like it. Yeah. Uh Maple, good middle of the road choice. Pretty if you divide the frequency spectrum up into three bands, it's pretty even from lows, mids, and highs. Birch little bit more aggressive, maybe a little bit more bottom end. Mahogany, boost in the lows, really warm in the mids, pretty subdued hides. Uh, oak is similar to birch, but slightly different. And then, you know, you have your luxury woods like beech and babinga. And I've never played them, so my opinion on them isn't really uh, worth a damn, because uh, I don't know. I like babinga. That's the time kit yeah. we've got back at the house has got babinga wood, and it sounds nice. It's yeah. really... It's really punchy, but it's really warm. Punchy and warm. I like it. I would say that from what I've heard players that play Babinga, it gives you the attack of birch, but the low-end warmth of a mahogany. Yeah, that, that, that's a great description. They make metal drums. They make acrylic drums. Acrylic drums aren't really that warm. They're just kind of low-endy. They're very scooped-sounding. Not a lot of mids, just kind of stick attack and some low-end uh, rumble. Drum heads, drum heads, drum heads. So important on every on everything in the kit, um, especially toms. We talked about it with snare how important it is, but toms just as important. Yep, uh, getting the right tuning going. Uh, I think all the same points that we made with with the snare on this one. Yeah, you'll have to refer back to the kick episode, so I'll just uh, obviously go listen to that too. But uh, you know, your clear drum heads are going to give you a little bit more low end body and a little bit more upper mid range and high end attack. Your coated drum heads are going to shave off some lows and shave off some highs, and there'll be a warmer, natural sound. Uh, You have single-ply heads, which will be more melodic, slightly easier to tune, but they will also be ringier, and they don't last as long because it's just one layer of film. And then you have your double-ply heads, which are two layers of film that not as singy, arguably slightly harder to tune because it's a thicker material that you have to balance all across the shell of the drum. Um, there are com- uh, Technology has gotten us to the point that uh, I know Evans does for a fact because they're the drum head manufacturer that I am pretty exclusively brand loyal to. There's not many things in the world that I'm just like, this singular brand does it the best. Walmart. For, yep. Uh Great value uh, makes they have a spicy maple bourbon pickle that I'm pretty brand loyal oh, to. Jesus. Oh, it's, it's good. Uh, that's not related to drums, just brand loyalty. Um, but Evans makes a single ply head that is the same thickness as a double ply head. So they make 
12 and 14 millimeter versions of a single ply head, which is what is on my red kit right now. Um, and I love them. They have the tunability and the melodic nature of a single ply head, but they seem to be pretty damn near like tough and indestructible. I mean, I'm sure I could damage them if I tried, but But. they, yeah, they're awesome. The G12s and the G14s, check them out if you, that would be my recommendation if someone's like, I need Tom drum heads. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, get the Evans G12s or G14s. Yeah. I, um, talking about tuning real quick, um, I find that I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a hard, uh, not even a hard and fast. I think a lot of stuff we talk about, it's always very like, my opinion will change depending on the scenario. Yeah, but absolutely. I've definitely gotten to a point where I get a pet peeve of mine is toms that are all tuned almost identically the same. Yeah. I, and because they're all, and it, this happens a lot in the heavy rock and heavy metal scene because everybody's going for that punchy cut through sound. Mm-hmm. But, oh my God, I'm done with it. I, I can't. I, I, it really bothers me and I've grown to just appreciate and love it. You know, we talked, uh, going back to the beginning of the show and we said like you know tom's like the least played instrument but when they are played though i want to hear that that's a rack tom or that's the second rack they tom. do I, serve a purpose yes i want to hear that that old you know spoiler alert for the playlist and i can tell you which song but rush man you know he had god knows how many toms but Every single one of those toms sounded different. Yeah, you could. That was like a musical. It was like a xylophone going down. Yeah, it was and awesome. And not that you have to go to those extremes, but if you've got two rack toms, make sure they are clearly different pitches because you've got to think about the fact that they are sitting right. Generally, your two rack toms are sitting right next to each other on a drum kit. Yep. And so if they are too close in pitch, there will be a sympathetic. Ring and I, mm-hmm. I forgot to talk about this in the snare episode, but like a big thing with snare drums is reducing what I would call, and I stole this phrase from the drum tech Kenny Cheritz. Again, I'm gonna plug him in every drum related episode because he's just the man. He calls it sympathetic snare buzz, and that's when your rack tom is tuned too close to your snare or your kick mm-hmm. drum. Every time you hit that, the snare buzzes on the bottom. And it's the same thing with a rack tom. Like, if your toms are tuned to the same note, when one rings, the other's going to ring. Because drums, for the most part, in a rock setting, are really the only acoustic instrument on stage. So the vibrations of the stage itself cause the drums to perform different. I mean, yeah... You can play an acoustic guitar on stage, but if but for, you're generally you know, running it through a PA, then and you're yeah. not really hearing the. But you're still hearing the acoustic drums themselves. Yeah. yeah so that, I think that's that's my my biggest point on this is just even if you're going for that sound, even if you're going for that attack heavy no body, you can still get that fun that fundamental pitch that that rings that 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 happens as soon as the the stick hits the head. Yeah. You can see it on a on a frequency spectrum analyzer. You can see that fundamental pitch and then it yep. might shift based on the ringing, but get that to be different so that you've got, you know, mm-hmm. the attack pitches are different cuz it it does. It drives me insane and when I, every single tom sounds the same. We'll dive into it with, you know, uh tuning intervals and whatnot. Um but I I think a a a way to negate that from happening and it's a mistake that I, I see a lot of drummers do, is they'll start tuning their highest drums first, mm. and they'll tune it too low. So then they keep trying to get yeah. everything to sound lower. And you just get... So to... they'll get their, you know, their 
They're, that 10 hertz boost, they'll, baby. They'll get their 10-inch tom sounding okay. Mm-hmm. And then, but then their 12-inch tom won't be low enough. So uh-huh. then they'll tune that really low. And then they're, you know, they'll have a 14-inch tom. No, I like that. I think that's yeah. a really, I've never thought about so it that I way. Start, I think that's great. You know, kick, snare, pretty important. But I will start with my lowest tom first. And I will tune that in key to the song with the lowest acceptable thing that the drum will give you. You know, I think that's actually really cool. I think, you know, starting off with your kick drum and then going to floor tom, I think maybe snare being the last thing I think could be... Yeah, mm, snare's... Maybe not, but... Jet, no, I mean, I'll tune the snare roughly before I tune the drum kit, but mm-hmm. in a recording session, I could have three to six snares available. So I've already accepted that the snares are going to be, need to be retuned at some point, so I will just get them close to sounding good, worry about the kit, and then I'll fine-tune the snares yeah. after the fact. Because, okay. you know, it, as we talked about in the snare episode, it's a big, it's a, a big ocean in terms <laughs> of, of what the snare needs to do in the mix. There's... There's a, there, I think snares are nothing but gray area, with yeah. the exception of make sure the head's in good condition and make sure it's tuned. Everything else, pretty much up for interpretation. So, so you mentioned it in the last episode that we were going to get into this. I think this sounds like this is going to be a pretty deep discussion on this. But let's talk about, you know, we we don't need to, again, we don't need to cover the woods and detail and the the heads and all that stuff. That, that's we've 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 covered that. But you wanted to talk about intervals and the, the specifically the tuning. Yes, with this Tom. is so um, let's. Let's talk about that. I'll give you a brief synopsis, and as per usual, youtube.com slash Kenny Sherritz. He will, I don't know, there's 40 hours of drum nerd content on his YouTube channel. If you need precise specifics, yeah. We're look, just giving that up. overview from a, an engineer's perspective. <clears throat> yeah, so my kind of approach is, and I said it in the last episode, I'm my natural ear isn't great at picking up pitch. So, like, when people are like, does this sound like the right key to you? That's not necessarily my turf. I, I know enough that I can say, that's not in key. Yeah. Um, so, I will ask the artist or whomever, like, what the key of the song is. And I'll go in my, what is it, the Wheel of Fifths or the Circle of circle Fifths? Of or fifths. fifths. No, yeah. Wheel of Fifths, wheel, I like the that. The Wheel of Fifths. <laughs> I'll take an A flat, please. Uh, no, <laughs> I'll I'll ask what the key of the song is, um, and then I'll pull out the uh, the circle of fifths and I'll I'll see what works and I'll figure out what kind of you know what needs to be where and pick an appropriate interval. I mean, my hard and fast like if I just had to set up a drum kit and like if if you hired me to be a drum tech for one of your recording sessions and your artists are like, yeah, we don't know what the key is, is I'm going to figure out what note the kick drum likes to be tuned to, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to base everything. I'm going to do a perfect fifth in okay. between my toms in whatever key that is. Yeah. So then the drum set's at least in tune with itself. Might not be in key with the song, but But nobody's going to really notice that. You're not going to get that yeah, clashing thing. At least your drums that. sound kind of mm-hmm. glued together. Uh, snare dependent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, usually if you can... You know, try to tune your drums a fifth apart. I think that's, it's far enough apart that 
You're going to minimize that, that, that crossover. That sympathetic, sympathetic, like, buzzing. Um, Make it copacetic, bro. Yeah. Um, the tuning between the two heads is important. There's a lot of, of different intervals. Uh, you could have unison, which is where each head is tuned to the exact same pitch. Um, it's cool for rock stuff, but I, I feel that it does get too much overtone because it just resonates. Like Yeah, the entire way through. Yeah, if you if you tune it, if you tune both heads to the same frequency that the shell naturally resonates at, like it just goes. <laughs> I I I hate unnecessarily ringy drums. Mm-hmm. Um, the snare, I understand it's musical. Toms, you do need some of the ring to cut through the mix, but there is a point where all it does is just create mud. Yeah, especially on a stage, because if you think about it, like. You know, none of us are really in the high level of our music or audio careers where we're running a dedicated in-ear mix and we have a monitor guy in charge of what we're doing. So a lot of the time we're dealing with stage wedges where maybe, you know, the tweeter's blown. So you're only getting, you know, you're only getting the woofer. Yeah. And if you have a fucking 16-inch floor tom that you hit and it sustains for 10 seconds and you're trying to hear a muddy woofer and the back end of a guitar cab, it's all in the same muddy frequency. So if you live, I know this is a recording thing, but live, if you kind of deaden that drum a little bit or, or tune it slightly differently, it suddenly makes more space on stage. So you can hear more of the body of the back of the guitar cab. And I think and that same principle goes for... Better. For in the studio as well mm-hmm. too, I mean, because I at least one of my approaches, at least beca- coming from the 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 more I'll call it heavily processed genres, I will get more of my the body of my toms from my room and yeah. overheads because I'm really I'm I don't want really any bleed in my direct mics because yeah. I'm going to compress them so hard, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, same thing. It's like if there's too much ringing, that's going to affect my processing in the room mics. If there's too yeah. much ringing in the toms, if they don't get out of the way quick enough. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm really trying to get that snare too coming from the rooms. And so it's like everything needs to be a little bit shorter in that kind of more fast-paced, yeah, processed it, music. It doesn't need to be detuned and completely dead. Yeah, no, it doesn't like, need to be dead. I, I want body. I want warmth, but not... But yeah, there, uh, the, the sustain needs to just be controlled. Like mm-hmm. it, it needs to... And it... If the purpose of the song is a really long sustained tom thing, if that worked like Long View by Green Day. Yeah. Probably not how I would tune a kit, but for that song, those it really works. cool soupy sounding toms for lack mm-hmm. of a better where you hit it and it just kind of like it you can just hear the drum head just kind of turning to mush. Like that fucking works and yeah. it's cool. So there is a time and a place for that, but, but generally your general purpose, speaking, yeah. yeah, um that's an outlier. Uh, you know, because I've heard drummers who really don't know this detail of tom tuning, and and they know a little bit about audio or vice versa. And I, I had a weird, I was you know very passionately discussing discussing tom tuning off mic, so I, I probably wasn't as polite and professional. But they're just like, well, yeah, but the the sound guy's got a gate, so we can just gate it out. And I was like, well, that only affects the PA. Like you're your stage volume is like, because mm-hmm. that floor tom will just get into everything. So if you just take five or six extra minutes, your sound guy will like you better. And we're gonna do a whole series down the road about why you think your sound guy hates you. <laughs> we've or, got a we've got a good guest for that. 
We might have multiple good yeah, guests. Yeah, we got some good that. characters. Um, it's going to be... But yeah, I think uh, with Tom specifically, but with everything, it's like as a performer, you know, do everything you can because basically what you want your sound guy to do, whether he's your live sound guy or your, your studio engineer, is you want them to have to do the least amount of fixing and controlling. Yeah. You want to allow them to become the other member of the band to give you that creative spark, to give you that thing that makes your music just jump up one more step. Yeah. You don't want them to have to be bringing you from the negative yeah. to eat to the positive. Like You want to already be in the positive yeah. and make it even better. So everything yeah. you can do, don't think, oh, the sound guy can just fix it. No, because then he's going to have to use up more processing, using up more space in the stereo spectrum to fix these issues mm -hmm. instead of creating something new and, and yeah. boosting what you've already got. And most of the, our clients are definitely very budget conscious. And if we charge hourly, like, do you really want me eating up your budget fixing something that two turns of a drum key could have been yeah. fixed earlier? Instead, or then like, it not being fixed and having to not like, get as great of a mix as yeah. you might want, you know? Or I have to replace stuff, yeah. you know? Especially, like, you know, I do more live sound than I do mm -hmm. client recording it's, I've said it in every podcast, and I just want to clear that up because we're doing a recording centralized podcast. But, like, the same thing applies. Like, if you saw your favorite band, right, like the average listener, when they see their favorite band, what do they want to do? They want to be in the room, and they want to sing along. Well, if, as a front of house engineer, if the floor tom's fucked up, and all it's doing is sustaining so that that note is going right back into the mic and back into the monitor and feedback's happening, well, isn't the fan going to be really mad that I didn't bump up the vocal in the chorus so they could hear it over the crowd when I'm sitting there, like, fiddling with a gate yeah. on the floor, Tom? Mm -hmm. Like, just, like, you know, this stuff, it does matter. There's a lot of, there's a lot of leeway and opinions to get it right. There's multiple, you know, you know, not to offend the, uh, the animal lovers listening, but there's a lot of, uh, there's many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. You know, but there are there are definitely things that just cause issues, though. That yeah. no matter where you look at it, it's like, yeah, that could be creative, but in almost eighty percent of time, yeah. eighty percent of the time, it's there are yeah. issues that are just issues. Yeah, if you're playing super fast punk rock music, where you're, you know, you're in the what one sixty to two hundred and ten yeah, BPM range, do your... you really want toms that ring for Ooh. ten seconds? Yeah, it's just gonna be a, a mess. You yeah, know? so deaden them up a little bit. Um, we'll get to some hacks that can help. Um, hack up your drums. Take an axe to them yeah. and quit. <laughs> pick, because... pick a real instrument. Yeah, pick a real instrument, guys. Come on, something with strings on it. Play piano instead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll kind of dive into more drum tunings. I, we took a tangent from unison tom tunings. As you can tell, I really don't tune them unison that much. Yeah, no, I um, mean, to be honest, I mean, with all these, I don't tune the notes very <coughs> often. Um, but I, mean, I will experiment, I'm going to experiment yeah. with it, though. I just need to get a drum tuner. Yeah, uh, um, do that. Um, get the, I have the tune bot. You should get the, the drum dial, mm -hmm. the one that's tension-based. Yeah. The one hack The old is, school one or the digital one? I have the digital one. You should get the, uh, the one like, the yeah, the old school one. The analog. I just want to yeah, I want to shoot them out. Yeah, and that would be fun. Um, and then literally shoot yeah. them. <laughs> Whichever one uh, doesn't work the best, we will. Uh, <laughs> we will. We will grab uh, our rifles and boom. Um, I will say, if you haven't watched any of Kenny's videos yet, get two matching drum keys. So then two you match. Oh oh oh! I got you. Yeah, I think this is just an aesthetic thing. 
If you don't have two matching drum keys, no, no, no. you're gonna um, look like a real jackass to your clients. Yeah, he does a thing called stereo tuning, where mm-hmm. he'll tune the opposite lug on the drum at the same time. Okay, yeah, I mean that makes and sense. And one, it saves time, but two, you can feel the balance of the tension rods. Yeah, no, uh, that makes that makes total sense. Because then, even if it's like, even if if the drum set that you're tuning isn't capable of giving you the note that you desire, because let's face it, like. Obviously, the $3,000 Tama Babinga kit is going to be easy to tune. We accept, we, we should accept that as fact, right? Like, that's not my truth. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I feel the shade that you threw there because I know what you're referencing. <laughs> and I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Um, More than likely, the more expensive drum kits have a wider tuning range, whereas, you know, the clients that we're recording maybe have a $500 drum kit. And it's not that it's a bad drum kit. It's just that the tuning range is probably limited. So, yes. For you string players out there, it's the same thing as the tuners on your guitar, that higher-end guitars are going to have better tuners, so they're Mm -hmm. not going to slip. When you're tuning, you're going to get much more fine tuning. You're not going to turn that tuning key a bunch before you start to see the tuner react. That's it's, It's the same. But... Even if your tuning keys slip on a guitar, you can still intonate it properly. Not necessarily. Oh, not necessarily. Okay. Depending on your guitar, you might not be able to intonate that thing properly. You might have a shitty bridge, shitty sat, shitty saddle, right. the fretwork. So it, I, I think it is analogous to more expensive guitar you have. Well, not more expensive, but the better quality Higher you quality, have. Yeah. You're going to have better intonation, better tuning, more consistent, easier time doing right. it. So yeah, the more, not beginner drum sets, but like that like entry level... The consumer level kind of yeah, prosumer. Pro- prosumer level drum kits. Um, I'm glad we both said that at the same time. That I was know, great. Frank. Uh, we finish, We're a prosumer podcast. We finish each other's podcasts. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you're in the key of A and you're, the kick drum just won't tune to A. Well, as long as the drum head is balanced with each other, like each individual lug on the tom or the kick drum... Mm-hmm you'll have a better time with that drum than if things are out of whack. So that's yeah. the, the point of the, the stereo tuning, if you will. Okay. So I, t- I ever since he shown, he's shown me that way, first thing I did was I left the theater that night, and I think I was in the parking garage, and I just like pulled up Sweetwater, and I was like, I need two matching drum keys. And I bought the same ones that Kenny uses. Nice. Because like, if yeah, he's gonna... I, I definitely recommend... Um, I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Uh, blow Kenny anymore because I haven't watched any of his videos but uh, I, I will definitely say as a as a non-drummer and I, I think this is important for any engineer, producer whatever instrument you don't know learn about it, be able to tune it, like yeah. if you're a drummer and you can't tune a guitar, you can't now you don't need to be able to completely set one up you know, yeah. you don't need to become a, a guitar tech but like you should know how to restring a guitar, yeah. you know, you should know how to restring a guitar, restring a bass and get it tuned up. Of course, if there are a myriad of issues, of course, you know, try to learn about it if you can. Yeah. You know, if you can learn how to intonate a guitar, which it's it's really not that hard. You know, I'm not talking about making truss rod adjustments and other things like yeah. that. But learn your basics. Same thing. If you're a string player and you don't know drums, learn to tune them. Be able to do this stuff because a lot of the times, a lot of these musicians that come it's a in, simple fix. They yeah. don't know it. They they themselves really don't know. They yeah. just tune it to. Oh yeah, I think it sounds good. But mm-hmm. what they think sounds good might not be what they what does sound good or what, or even what, what their goal is. You know, they might, they might give you reference track and be like, man, I love the toms on this record. I really love that low sound. 
and they've got their toms tuned to be ringy and pitchy, but they're like, no, yep. oh, this sounds really good though, right? Like, yeah, but this doesn't sound anything like what you want. So right. yeah. having that ability to be able to get your clients gear, get your own gear, yeah. um, even if you're renting stuff, you know, because you can rent stuff to record. Just mm-hmm. understanding it. You don't have to be able to play it, but just a basic understanding of how to get your different instruments, how to get your different gear to sound a certain way. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of the times you can't, you really can't change the fundamental tone of the drum uh, yeah. of, of any instrument. You mm-hmm. know, like we've we've said this before, but a strat is going to sound like a strat. You know, a kick drum is going to sound like a kick drum. You know, it's <clears throat> yeah. You're not going to be able to change that. So getting it right from the start. So learning how yeah. to do that stuff because most people aren't going to be able to do it. If themselves. you're, we'll kick it back to last episode. If you send me a bunch of references for songs for snare sounds that you like, and I'm like. This guy loves the Ludwig Black Beauty. And then you come in and I have a Ludwig Black Beauty set up and you're just like, yeah, no, nah, I like I like shallow mahogany snare drums. And be like, oh. Yeah, it's like, well, Do dude, you? you're not, that recording, you know, we're not going to get there. We're yeah. not going to get there. So Listening back to the snare thing, I said in the last episode, listening to toms, I realized that the way I mix toms is not how I like to hear them in other mixes. Like, it's been very eye-opening to mm-hmm. just like, have a very narrow focus on one thing, but look at it from like the big perspective and be yeah. like, oh, that's where I'm screwing up. Like my natural like gut reaction to do something is not actually what I like to hear. Oh, I completely understand yeah. that. I that's a I that's a really hard habit to break. Yeah. Um just being na- I, I I find that we we joke about it and it's gonna become a real thing, but the ten hertz boost thing. Like I when I'm mixing I love. I I have this issue of cranking the low end. I love getting that yeah. sub going and just feeling it. Just it feels good. I love feeling it. And then I go and reference my mixes, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, I'm gonna blow up. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna destroy the suspension in my car because I'm I'm blasting so much low mm-hmm. end, and it's so weird. I get into a groove when I'm mixing, and I love that feeling. But then I go to listen to music that I actually really love, and it's it's not, it's not that much. It's just, yeah. I, I think it's trying to compensate. I think it's me compensating. I think it's also just my love of music and just wanting to feel it. And you, yeah. know, you feel it in that low end. I think um, people equate heaviness to low end. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. Because, no. like, like Meshuggah's heavy. And, yes, they they tune pretty low. But there's not a lot of, like, bass frequencies in their music. It's no, not, it's, it's it's not like, a, like an EDM mix or anything. No. It's um, very, like, it just has a, a, a tight low mid and everything is dialed correctly yeah so i think that's a really good point to make that your natural tendencies to react and do something might not be what you actually like to hear there is a difference between what you feel and what you hear and i think that's a really key point to realize and figure out for yourself to take that time to realize i need to listen and not just feel (laughs) and i think also vice versa if you're hearing a lot but you're not feeling it yeah you know i think that's you gotta find that the sweet it, spot. Yeah. yeah, it's that ephemeral thing. Like, what? Well, what do you mean by feel? And it's just—it's undefinable. It's like yeah. it's, a, it's ineffable. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I'm not effable? <laughs> I said to every Tinder date. No. <laughs> it's, it was like because you started talking about tom tunings. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "What do you mean I'm ineffable? <laughs> My floor tom won't tune to F. Yeah. Can we try a different key? <laughs> it might not be effable, but it's doable. <laughs> hey. hey, we are not going to last very long on the. No, air. we've been. We got kicked off of AM radio already. Yeah, 
Actually, we probably could easily get onto AM radio. We just buy a couple spots like Rush Limbaugh did, <laughs> and then we become the 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 feisty. We're gonna take down big plug in. Yeah, we're gonna take down big plug in, man. We're coming after you. Oh, just you wait. We've got we've got some uh, big plug in. We got some cool series. We've got some characters. Um, we need somebody to help us. Anybody out there that's listening, Patreon, non Patreon. Um, obviously not necessarily for these podcasts. We don't really, we don't, we're not really worried about it, but we are going to be shooting some, some like we've talked about it, some tips and tricks, some creative videos, but we are going to be doing some like, can we call them sketches? Like we're There's going to be a lot of, uh, infotainment, which is what yeah, I would consider this, yeah. but at the end of the day, we rebooted this company because we both just wanted to be creative uh, so there's going to be some some content posted that is literally just for us to make ourselves laugh. Yeah, and we hope you guys like it because yeah. I, I think for us, like it's about having fun. We, we were we were discussing this actually before the show. Um, that you know we're starting off with this podcast with we're going down the input list. We're talking about a lot of audio nerdy stuff, and because I think that's a good basis where we want to start off with. But we, off with, but we do want this podcast to bloom into like. Obviously, the the main focal point, not the focal point, but the the the, the connection. The connection point will be the the playlist. We will always we will always have a playlist of the episode of the week. Um, but you know, music's going to be the thing that connects us because we've got you know we've got some guests that we're planning on having on that are chefs. We've got some you know non engineer, non audio guests that are going to come on, yeah. but they have a tie into our music world, it, and that's you know yes, it is not. Reflections Audio Collective. It is Artists, Artists Collective. Yeah. Uh, we're just starting with this heavily nerd talk. Uh, because it's a good foundation to get to know about us, get to get a vibe of yeah, what we know, what and we want to share. easy for Phoenix and I to do this because it's something we're borderline experts in. You know, I don't like the word expert. We're yeah. professionals. We are yeah. professionals. We do make money doing this. Ex- expert's um, the wrong word because I feel like the more I learn... yeah, We are experienced. We, we have enough that... We're not the top dogs, but we can hold down jobs. Yeah, when and we our can relate. I think to a lot of the things that everybody else is going yeah. through with in terms of their artist career about trying to make it. You know, we're in the process yeah. of trying to make it, whatever that means. You know. Yeah. But if um, you like music and brew beer, yeah, there's a spot a at spot. the table we, or the couch for you. you know, if you like music, we have a spot for you. Basically, yeah. you could be uh, an an oil rigger. Whatever. If you want to come on and talk about music with us, that's what we want. That's basically yeah. it. So it, it doesn't really matter. You don't have to be an audio engineer. You don't have to be a musician. But as long as music is a focal point in your life, that's yeah. that's, that's basically what this podcast is. We're just yeah. starting off with the audio engineering stuff because it's what we, know. we love it. And it's, it's a good foundation for you guys to, to learn about us for those that don't know everything about yeah. us. Um, Let's get to more Tom intervals. More, more tomfoolery. Oh, I never got to tell you what I wanted to tell you. My, I really, I've been holding that one in for a while. Oh, that was good. <laughs> on my uh, console, right? Uh, f- mainly for live, because I, and I, I do this in Pro Tools now too. Is if I have to record three toms, you know, you usually have like what Tom one, Tom two, or floor tom. Mm-hmm. I have Tom Thomas floor tom. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that so much. Right? Should have been Tom Tom. Tom what did you say, Tom Thomas, and then Tommy? Oh, damn it. No, Tommy should be the smallest one. So Tommy should be like the 10-inch Tom. Okay. Tom should be the, like, the 12-inch, like the dad. And then Thomas should be the floor Tom, which is the grandpa. I dig it. 
I dig it. That's way better. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> we really wanted to get just a random guy named Tom to be on this episode. We tried. We were just going to bring him in for like five minutes like, hey, everybody, this is Tom. We are talking Tom We're today. talking Tom's today. And then we literally would kick him out right after. Like, yep. you know you have to leave, right? Yep. yep. That would have been great. But um, we're not quite there yet, but we will get there. We will oh. do a Tom Redux episode, maybe season five, a couple years from now, and we'll do that. You all have forgotten about that joke <laughs> by then, back. and we'll bring it back. We'll have somebody named Tom. We'll have a budget so to pay somebody. Yeah. Oh, it's super meta. I dig it. <laughs> all right. Uh, another common Tom tuning interval is the perfect fourth. I love perfect fourths. You tune the batter head to the tonic, and you tune the resonant head a fourth above. That is... It'll give you the same projection and body as the uh, as the unison, but because the pitches of the two heads are different, you won't get that like standing wave kind of mm-hmm. deal where it's just ringing for days. So I recommend that for more modern styles of music. Your rocks, your metals, your your power country ballads. <laughs> what type of rocks though? Oh, Ports, you know, hematite. Just driveway gravel. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite genre of music. <laughs> yeah. You like rock music? Dude, I love well, driveway yeah. gravel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let me tell you. Uh, you have a major third where you, you know, batter head is the tonic. Tune the uh, the bottom head a major third above that. Sounds a little vintagey, maybe a little jazzy. I don't use that one too much. So did guys, did guys like uh, John Bonham and... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just blanked on it. We'll get to bottom in a second here. Yeah, I just like did a lot of those guys, a lot of those early rock and roll guys, did they they tune their toms to notes or did they I mean because when I listen to it, it definitely doesn't sound like it, but I again I don't you have know, perfect pitch. It so could I be biased just because of the recording techniques that they had, because like Bonham was playing into like four mics for most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um so after the major third, you have the minor third, which is same deal, batter head tonic, resonant head a minor third above that, that's really good for, like, jazzy kind of stuff. Okay. It's a little bit more of, like, a a saggy note, you mm-hmm. know, because it is a minor rather than a major. So it doesn't sound as sing-songy. It's a kind of a acquired drum taste. Uh, you know, it, it would be good for a more, like, somber vibe for whatever reason. Well, yeah, um, it's minor. That would make sense. And then you have inverted tunings, Ooh. which is how we tie into Bonham or Stuart Copeland. Mm-hmm. And the man, the myth, the legend, Danny Carey does this sometime. Um, that is where the resonant head is at the tonic and oh, the batter head is tuned higher, which is a tuning that I like to mess around with. Uh, it doesn't work for everything, but there is something about it. There is just something about well, it's nice because you you get you get the high pitched attack from the stick hit on the batter head, but then it's sustaining at the tonic yeah, yeah. rather than tuning it to the note and having the harmonic be higher. Mm-hmm. I I don't know, like it it doesn't always work, but when it does, when it does it's it's just really cool. Mm, yeah, Bonham for the most part tuned his kit like that. Okay, but that's also huh. because he was playing like a 14-inch rack tom and 16- and 18-inch floor toms mm-hmm. where they're so big Yeah, that if you, you know, if you tune an 18-inch floor tom as low as it'll go, it's... Oh, that's deep. There's no you bounce gonna back need, from it. Like, you're going to need my one-band one graphic yeah. EQ. You're Pat hitting Pending. basically a couch pillow or a couch <laughs> cushion at that point. Like, you're getting nothing. 
We should. So if you flip the tuning and you tune the batter head a little bit higher and then the resonant head to the low, low note. You know now that we need to create a, a backseat playlist sample collection and one of them is going to literally be a like a throw pillow that we recorded and compressed the living hell of. And yeah, then why not? We used my, which we were going to, we we're going to make this. We we're going to raise the money for me to make a one band graphic EQ <laughs> at 10 hertz. And, and we're going to run, run our sample collection through that, and it'll be the throw pillow. Patreon.com slash Reflections Artist Collective if you want to get on that train. Please. Side yeah. note, the Backseat Playlist is brought to you by Reflections Artist yeah, Collective. Yeah, we we're bad at housekeeping. Shout out to Shout out to Reflection. Yeah, Reflections Artist Collective. That is where you're going to find all of these future projects our, our YouTube channel, corp. the Patreon. It is. It's our network. It is yeah. our network, our umbrella corporation. But uh, yeah, podcast is just backseat playlist because we're talking tunes and what we like. Tunage. About it. We are tunage. So yeah, that's you know, that's the general gist of Tom Tunings. Again, you know who to check out on YouTube if you need specifics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I really don't have a lot to say about Tom's. Uh, I mean, because we've we've covered a lot. I mean, we're kind of getting to that point now with the drums, where you know, Tom's is the last thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, until then, we get to the point where it's not drums anymore; it's cymbals. Yeah. Which we'll get to that one. But um, so I guess let's 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 break into microphones here. Let's break into mics on the Tom's. Unless you've got another point, you got something yeah. Else we'll in your talk. Show notes? Um, we'll do dampening as well, since we're still at the drum. Uh, it's the same as the snare, you know, your mm-hmm. moon gels to control some of your over uh, overtones. Uh, gaff tape tents, I really like. Uh, fold up a bandana and binder clip it to the drum rims. Um, you know, you could buy those, like, overtone rings that Remo makes. I think yeah, they're, I think they're no, I, I dig those. Those O-rings. are nice. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could even... Nuva rings, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you could cut out an old drum head to fit, you know, it, yeah. if you need it on the cheap. Um Kenny has a video on it, um, but a way to kind of naturally gate out some of that resonant sustain in drums is to bunch a bunch of cotton balls together and kind of spread them out so it's thin, mm-hmm. and you put that in the drum. Okay. So it's real real thin and, and pillowy, I guess, mm. would be. So then the idea behind that is you hit the batter head the sound wave goes down the drum and it lifts the cotton balls up ever so slightly and then it falls back down and just naturally gates the sustain. That's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. I'd like to see some some uh what are you high speed footage of that? Like yeah, yeah. some slow mo. Yeah, some slow mo. I mean it, it's not like a huge jump, but yeah, just kind no, of but like enough that it, it yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've done things where I've been I've been mixing live at bars and I wanna the house kit just was tuned for sustain and the drum heads are old so you can't really get it in tune but it's just going uh and i just like i went behind the bar and i got a cocktail napkin and i ripped it in half and i just kind of put all four you know i unfolded it and i ripped it and i ripped it into four spots and i just threw that in a drum and yeah yo i want to do an experiment where we put like loose change in a drum yeah, see what happens cool. there. I think that would be kind of fun. I've heard of people that put like a penny or a dime in the snare drum. Yeah, like just one. I think it'd be kind of cool to kinda... try it, see what see what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of fun. I'm open to all of it, but that's just kind of you know, really anything to just kind of. And sometimes you just like you you don't necessarily put it onto like the dampening's not a fix. Mm. It's just a it's like, a control measure. Yeah, because I think, and sometimes it's nice to just add that thickness to the drum too. Yeah, because I feel like. 
we've we've kind of already said this, but to reiterate the point, like unlike the snare where I said I like a lot of ringiness these days because yeah. it helps. I think in Tom's, it's the opposite. Like, you still want sustain, yeah. but there's a ringing that you don't want. That overtone ringing that, that we're talking about that gets in the way of other things. It's like... Because yeah. you know, a you lot of the times, it's not defined to a note. Yeah, because you don't want to kill your Tom. You don't no. want it to just be a, a, a transient. A funk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that could be cool, and depending if you've got a Tom... You know, if you're if you've going got, for the fat drum, like dead yeah. drums. Yeah, um, but it's it's just... Ways to get those overtone ringings to just be a little more subdued. Not yeah. kill them. You don't want to kill any of that stuff, but you, to subdue them. Yeah, because it does add weight to yeah. the drum. If it's but You'll you just, miss it if it's not there. But I, I feel like Tom's just can get out, out of anything on the drum kit. Tom's can get out of control really easily yeah. if they're not and, taken care of properly. An hour of YouTube research on how to properly... And again, like, trust who's telling you how to tune Tom's. Like, but... A little bit of research and a little bit of knowledge of these workarounds does go a long way. Yeah. So that's about what I have for the actual uh, drums themselves. So, yeah, let's dive into uh, my addiction now, which is microphones. <laughs> I um, I mean, you've got – I feel like we don't need to touch on this a lot. Classic 421. It's probably um, my favorite Tom mic. It's, it does. It shapes the toms. and it. I feel like it really catches yep. all the good stuff. Um, this one? It is a sound though. It is a sound, mm-hmm. and it it and it's gonna do that same sound every time. I don't. I feel like, unlike the way we talked about the fifty seven on the snare, where yeah. the fifty seven on the snare gives shapeable. you a is sh- exactly yeah. shapeable. I feel like the four twenty one on the tom, you can hear it on a record. No matter what you do to it, no matter how yeah. you compress it or EQ it, you can go. That's a four twenty one. If you have Owen Wilson or like dive bomb toms, <laughs> as I think where it goes, ooh. Um, I don't like a 421 mm-hmm. on that style of Tom because the that kind of presence bump in the 421 just accentuates, it, it accentuates that it, like yeah. <laughs> the, ooh, um, yeah. Ow. the real 80s like yep. I mm-hmm. I call him dive bomb Tom yeah. dive bomb Tom yeah. um, sounds like a wrestler that would be oh that'd be a good oh, we got a character now for one of dive our dive bomb uh, Tom we got one of them yep um, um, yeah but when the drums tuned right. The thing I like about the 421, and this will be very apparent in my playlist, is that like when you mic it, when you tune the drum right and capture it with the 421, they're present, but they also just stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like you feel them more than you hear them. Yeah. Which is what I kind of like in toms. I used to think I just wanted like, because I would watch all the like hip. Here's how to mix metal, and here's how your toms <laughs> sound like cannon blasts, and it's not appropriate for. 80% of the genres it's out there. funny. I have gone, grown to like, I really like hearing my toms. I like feeling them, but I really like hearing because I feel like I've gotten to that point where I hate when, I don't hate it, but I dislike when all you can is feel it because I do want to hear that drum. I want to hear the, the different characteristics of yeah, the toms. And, and I, that was probably the wrong choice of words. Like, I, I want to hear it as well, but mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be as apparent in the mix as it should be. You <laughs> yeah, know, like, no, I, I know what you mean. My it toms would hit and off. it would... Yeah, and it would be like, oh, oh. Yeah, no, yeah. I know what you mean. Um, but I think that's because I'm a drummer, so I'm used to hearing the drums very close. Mm-hmm. And I have a very controversial opinion when we get to the next episode. Cool. So. I, um, I've got... I think they are pretty much they're the they're the uh, the sure version of your Sennheiser E six oh four is there. But my little clip on uh, my clip on sure Tom mics, I can't remember is what the fifty sixes or whatever. I want to say it's like three numbers. Um, the PGA something I think. Yeah, they're I like a bent. The they're like a bent fifty seven. 
Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, I love those. Those are great. They're yeah. not. Um, they don't. They do the same thing. I mean, I feel like it's it's every it's the thing that all short stuff does is that it's like it gives you a good flat, yeah. For the most part just flat, but kind of cardboardy kind of sound. There's a lot of like, like you said, you you said the word boring, and I think that is really true. That it's like, but I'll say it in a non-negative way, like yeah, it might be boring, but it gives you a platform to really build yeah. from. Whereas if you're going for character. I don't necessarily like them, yeah. but I think for a lot of the stuff that I've been doing lately, mm-hmm. um, especially considering I don't have a lot of the, you know, the source tones that I'm getting yeah. might not be the greatest due to, to budget constraints or whatever it might be. And so, you know, the sure stuff that I've been rocking, those little clip-ons, yeah. give me a really just nice flat hmm? base um, to work yeah. from. I might have B-A-S-E, not I might have said boring. I think I just said I'm I'm bored with them. Yeah. And it's just one of those where like, I use them so much live that when I'm recording, I just I just want something different. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I I just want to mix it up. Um, but it's actually kind of weird because if you listen to the snare episode, you'd be like, Adam hates the fifty-seven, and when we get to the guitar episode, you're gonna be like, Adam hates the fifty-seven. But if I'm doing, I love the fifty-seven on guitar. If I'm <laughs> doing coded heads and kind of like a a very natural unprocessed drum sound i love 57s on toms i haven't done 57s on toms since like one of my first ever recordings yeah i think just because i've had other stuff that are more considered tom mics i mean you know maybe on a 16 inch floor tom it's not the vibe but if like you know if i were playing a four-piece kit for like nick's album Mm -hmm. and i just needed a very unprocessed drum like just these are what drums sound like in the room yeah i'm more than likely going to put a 57 on the rack tom and okay. I, i'd probably play i'd probably play my cocktail kit so i'd probably yeah i'd put a 57 on the on 12 inch rack tom and a 14 inch floor tom i uh i don't own any but i've gotten to use them the uh i forget what all the, the numbers are on them but the uh like the audix drum pack that they uh, have. the d2s yeah and the D4s. i like those yeah. i really do like those i really mm-hmm. like audix on on all drums for the most yeah. part i think they're really great um i'm not a fan of the the d6 on any tom actually i've i've tried it and it just I I said it in the previous episode, love it on the kick, love it on the snare. But I'm just I just doesn't do for me a whole lot. Uh yeah. I like it on Tom's live through a PA. Okay. I almost feel like this is just my ear and my approach. But again, the stuff I mix and record on is kind of different than what I do like a lot of the stuff I like to mix live. Yeah. Um I like Audix drum like mics live. Like if I had to use one brand on oh, a drum yeah. kit across, yeah, for sure. Like, and I mean, if I had to in the studio, like if I only had an Audix drum pack, I'd be happy. I, yeah. It's just I wouldn't use the D6 on the toms. I would yeah. use that on the kick. But I like it on the floor, like a 16. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It, I like just, the I like we've got the one here. I've got the 112. I like the 112 on a floor tom yeah. too. I yeah. like that on the kick as well. But I, I like that yeah. on the floor tom. Um, I like the 604. You know, a lot of people, you'll read, uh, I think it's, uh, I guess it's Gear Space now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, they changed it. R.I.P. Uh, yeah, to the I like OG. The name. I know. Because it was always fun because you'd have a window open on the internet and then, like, your girlfriend at the time would be like, what's Gear Sluts? Yeah. I don't know and why. And they used a Z, so yeah. it made it okay. I am a, I'm buying gear all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a microphone uh, yeah. whore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Put that on a shirt. Sell it. I don't care. I'm a microphone whore. Um, what do we got? Uh, we've got the uh, SE. We all guys referenced them. The X1D. You brought that to the table. Yeah. Uh, it's a condenser mic designed for kick drums. 
Okay. But it's pretty full frequency in response, like 20 to 20. Sounds good on a floor tom or a rack tom. If I'm putting a D6 on a floor tom mm-hmm. uh, and I need, like, an aggressive drum sound, I'll probably put the X1 on the rack tom. Yeah. Um, you know, I've used it less since I got the 421. I, I don't know why it I, fell out of my rotation. Like, it's I a definitely sick mic. like, um, I, I really do like large diaphragm condensers on toms if I've got a not a not a super dense arrangement. Yeah. Uh, because I feel like because the large diaphragm condenser, it brings a little more it's detail, a little more yeah. detail to it that I feel like. It does also then pick up a little bit more of everything else because it's a large diaphragm condenser. I yeah, feel like. if I'm not going for um, a super separated drum mix, yeah. if it, I'm if I'm going to be blending everything together, I do really like that because it mm. does bring out a lot of fun character in the toms yeah. that you don't get from a, from a dynamic. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're mixing something that's going to be super dense, where you're going to have you know your stereo left and right guitars that are just ripping your face off, and you're going to yeah. have heavy bass, then I'm really not gonna. I'm not gonna bother with the, Conde- the yeah. condenser. It's just gonna add too much info that I don't need. That's yeah. gonna probably end up getting in the way. Yeah, you need like the the super cardioid D twos that are just gonna pick up the hit. Um, yeah. I oh I um, we got go sidetracked go with uh, R.I.P. Gear sluts. Um, you know uh, some of the forums will say that like you shouldn't use a clip on mic when you record because it'll be like there'll be the super low end thing that's picked up from the drum. I've never had any issues. I, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what you shouldn't use a clip on, Mike. I've never yeah, heard that. I actually, yeah, I, I've never heard that. That sounds like something that. Um, go to Ash Stone's studio in England. He's a phenomenal drummer. He his recording studio is in the base of an old windmill. Ooh. Follow him on the gram. He posts groovy shuffles to trip hop lo fi beats all the time. My um. Yeah, dude's putting six oh fours on all of his toms. Dude, my favorite, my favorite drum mics I've ever heard. I don't own a pair, but uh, I, I will own a pair one day. Is that uh, custom set of Telefunkins that that Paul had? The M eighty ones. Yeah, the, he had the, the nice brown finish. Those were clip ons, dude. Those. Now, granted, I might just be looking back in hind. I might be looking back in my memories and fantasizing about them because they were like the first pair of like really nice mics, mics that, that I really used, ever yeah. got to experience and use. But I do remember those had and it was not the greatest drum kits that we used it was yeah. the studios just kind of teaching kit yeah the, but those uh they're both those, in Tama imperial stars those mics to me just those were like those were mm-hmm. really nice sounding yeah um, the uh the, i, I love the telefunken stuck stuff yeah that, that would be my my choice if i could have the telefunken uh kit, kit that would be whew. yeah there's like three i i love the 604 you can't turn your nose up at it like no, it's just no, so- i love it it's great uh, I've heard rumors that it's basically the 421, but without the uh, the a shitty mic clip. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with uh, without all of the extra wiring and components for the um, like the roll off switch, it's kind of just set. Oh really? So I, yeah, I would like to test the frequency. Yeah, response. I would love to test um, that. Just like I haven't confirmed it, but I don't not believe it. Because in live, if I have bad tuned drum kits and I put a 604 on it, mm. you know what it emphasizes? The ooh. That's so, really cool. That, we should totally test that. I would like to know that. Because yeah. is the 604 cheaper than the 421? Yeah. yeah. I think you get a 421 for like, they're I think like 400 bucks. They're right 399 or yeah. I think that you can get, find them on sale for like 299 Uh You can get, I think 604s are like 120 each. Yeah. And they're clip on. They come undone from the clip yeah. too. They don't have that shitty clip. Yeah, they have a great clip, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Unthread it, put it on a mic stand. Nice. So, yeah, well, that'll definitely be a test. Yeah, that'd be um, cool. Yeah, I, I've, I don't have it. If I were to buy a drum mic 
kit, the three that I would buy would be the Telefunken one, because I do like Telefunken. Uh, no surprise, the SE Electronics V kit. Yeah. Or I would get high PR31s, which is, we talked about it, I think, on the first episode. It is the capsule of the PR30 slash PR35, just in a drum... In like a drum like case, a, a drum mic sized. Uh, we, I want to ask you a question. So I know that you, I'm, I probably know your answer. This is more just me wanting to talk. <laughs> That's fair. This is a um, podcast. It's, um, it's useful. We didn't really talk about it with kick and snare because it's pretty much a given that in most modern music, um, most well, we'll call it most radio music that that encompasses mm-hmm. again. You know, we'll say this again, but uh, you know, pop music, uh, uh, hip hop rock, metal, any of what we'll call, yeah, your modern yeah. radio music, because, you know, you're not, most people aren't listening to, like, jazz or other stuff. Like, that's few and far between on the radio, what I'll call yeah. your main range radio stations. Uh, but most of that, there's a kick sample, there's a snare sample to some degree. Yeah. I really never sample toms. I really never add a tom sample. I mean, unless the unless for whatever reason, due to due to budget or, or, my, or the client, and I'm just like, you know, whatever, we're going to use their toms, and they are, like, dog shit yeah i feel like i can make them work i feel like i can just either scoop the mids mm-hmm. i can do something i feel like i don't really ever i rarely use yeah. tom samples unless i'm going for a specific tom sound that i just cannot get yeah because you know it's like damn i really want this deep tom and yeah. we just don't have a we don't have a, a you know a really big floor tom and they're like i really want that low thing then we'll sample whatever floor tom we need um yeah i try not to i mean i i've gotten a few projects where the drums have just been fucked mm-hmm. like i did one project uh that i never got paid for so it's never been released it's just sitting on an uh it's on my archive hard drive Ooh, you'll have to tell me about that after the show um we listened to the ep in your car on the way to a gig once so you've heard it I think a, I know. It was a one. punk band kind of thing, probably going back four years at this point, three years, four years. Oh, man, that was a while ago. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, like, the whole drum kit was tracked out of phase, and they did everything live, so there's, like, really bad guitar bleed. And these, in these, we'll do it live! And these drum mics that weren't even, like, they didn't uh. even, like, sound. Like, it was it was rough. So I, I, if a drum kit is just beyond repair, like, totaled, if you will, I will put Tom samples on. But, I mean, again, the way I kind of dig Toms is I've been on a kick where I kind of bury them in the mix a little bit, where they're not the most prevalent thing, because a lot of times the styles of music we're recording aren't exactly driven by the toms so they need to be there because they're played yeah i don't like i don't like pokey toms i don't like toms that poke out like i want you know everything i want to be audible i want you to be able to hear it but i don't want it to to poke out or or smack you in the face you can tuck them down maybe two db quieter than you want and just let some other stuff just kind of mask the garbagey areas of it just a little bit i mean you know it and that's after a lot of processing yeah. to get them just to be usable. But yeah, for the most part, I'm not really sampling toms. Yeah, because again, um, unless your song, unless you've got one of those songs where it is a heavily tom-based song, yeah, um, like you said, like that Green Day song where it's like, oh man, the entire beat is toms or tool, you know, like yeah, or tool, yeah. then it's kind of like you can get away with a lot more with them. Rather, whereas you know your snare and your kick are those are your focal points of, of yeah. most modern music is like mm-hmm. that kick and that snare. So like if they sound like shit. 
They well, sound that's like, like making the playlist is like all the toms I dig are just like well placed in the mix. Mm-hmm. So it'd just be like, yeah, here's a six minute song where the toms are hit four times. Yeah, so I, 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 I to be honest, to pick- I had a I had a really hard time kind of coming up. Not a really hard time, but um, I don't know. I feel like really good toms you just don't notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's more so, and it's not that. You don't notice them, but they just they do they come in and they do their job and then they get out of the way. Yeah, it's um, a very you have to have a very sophisticated ear palate to notice the subtle differences of toms. Yeah, I feel like the only time it's a bad tom is if you go like, uh, uh you know. Yeah. Whereas like a snare drum is a lot more. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I, I toms know are what weird. You're toms yeah, are just so weird. A strange instrument where. Yeah. It's very rare that people are just like, damn, man, I love the toms on this record. You know, people yeah. are going to say snare, kick, the guitars. It's very rare that someone gets very specific about the toms. Yeah, and I think it's because uh, even though I, I mentioned what? One, two, th- five different ways you can tune your toms. Once they're in tune and they're working, they're still going to be mixed and placed in the mix the same way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, depending on the tuning of your snare alters where it is in the mix. Yeah, oh, completely. So, like... Yeah, maybe the toms. I think it's because, you know, most drummers are playing two to five of them. Mm-hmm. Like, there's such a wide variety of that instrument, but they're still processed to be glued to each other. So they don't ever really stand out because they're meant to just sound like different pitches of the same thing. Yeah, no, completely. Um, so, like, it's weird. Like, toms are strange because on the surface, it just looks like, you put the mic on it, you aim it at the center, and that's what it is. But then it's like Tom's, there's so much little detail that adds up. Yeah. Just to get to what people think is the broad picture. Whereas yeah. like an untrained ear can tell you the difference if you just tell like whoever it is that doesn't know anything about engineering or music. If you just say pick five random songs listen to just the snare drum listen to them as many times as you want but just listen to to five the same five songs all day and just write down how you feel about the snare drum is they they will tell you different characteristics that basically line up with it mm-hmm. and if you say now listen to the toms they're going to be like they all sounded the same yeah yeah and i and i think that goes to kind of my my playlist a little bit that i i the reason i chose them is because it is i i think i picked a lot of songs where not a lot i think a good amount of them some of my favorites on here are Songs where the toms are all very clearly different, and that they're okay. all very much a uh, not a focal instrument to the songs, but they're an accent instrument that needs to be well done. Yeah, um, they're not just you know uh, an attack based thing. There is character to it. Yeah. Did we want to move on to that? Um, we wanna... Do we have? Let me check my show notes real quick. You know, check in the notes. See, we got to get those iPads. Please check us out at patreon.com slash reflections artist collective. Good plug. Every donation that you make is going to go not to our own pockets and it's not going to go to uh, Sarah McLaughlin. It is going to go to getting us some gear to make the show better for you guys. So it's a little more fluid. We can do more stuff. We can. Uh, Get out the basement. You don't have to hear the dogs. Yeah. You know? Or unless you want to hear unless the dogs. Unless you want to hear the dogs. We will bring the dogs on um, air if you want. We will sit them down. Yeah, I mean, uh, other things. Um, there's a, a Sylvia Massey, who's one of my favorite engineers and yeah. producers. She has a thing where she will point the tom mics in the same direction on the drum kit. Mm-hmm. So We've talked like, about that. If you're sitting at the drum kit, you know, your rack tom might be at your 12 o'clock position. 
pointing to the center of the clock if Mm -hmm. you, the player, are at the center of the clock. And then your floor tom will be at the 3 o'clock position also pointing at the center of the clock, where if they're both pointed, you know, the same way, Mm -hmm. um, she says that that gives you a better relative and more phase-accurate version of the drum kit. Ever since you and me, ever since you, like... You showed me that when we did uh, a drum recording together. I've I've always just done it that way. I've always made yeah, sure I, I put I the same like... way, and I I never have any phase issues with my toms and my kit. I, I try to keep all the mics, yeah. even the snare mic, I, I, as much as I can because yeah. the snare mic you got to position it in a way to block it's out my head bleed. Yeah. Um, but with the toms, at least I always I've I follow that to yeah, a T. And the the biggest problem that I come, you know, I think I think we come in in conflict with as far as like unnecessary stuff getting in toms is cymbal bleed. Uh, for the most part, in a modern recording sense, you're gonna trim all that out anyway. Yeah. Like, I so my favorite thing for toms these days is the slate uh, drum gate. Okay. I, that thing is that thing is mind blowing. Uh, it's a little hit or miss on yeah. snare and kick drum, also depending on the player. But I feel like I have used it on toms with a wide variety of drummers recently yeah. that all hit very differently, and it gets rid of that bleed so well on toms for some yeah. reason. Uh, if you've got a, it, it works really great on snare. If you've got a consistent snare yeah. hitter, because then it, it, it reads that information really well. Same thing with the kick. Yeah. But the toms, it is so forgiving with toms, and it is you don't have to fucking spend because you know a lot of us will end up just gates are not always the most consistent thing, and so yeah. a lot of times it can just be easier just to say screw it. I'm gonna just just take the twenty minutes, take the twenty minutes to manually yeah. edit. But I don't do that anymore with the slate drum gate. Nice. It's it is like it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten in... I use expanders more than gates these mm-hmm. days. Um, I, I mean, really, the, the biggest problem with bleed is you're just going to have to ask the drummer to raise the cymbals if they're too close. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can... It's, <laughs> Andy? It's Yeah, looking at you, Andy. Um, Love you, buddy. You rip. I, I can't knock you because your playing's better than mine. But, you know, like, if you have a drummer come in and their ride is, like, two fingers above the floor tom, like, you're going to have to be, uh, like, yeah. bro. Like, you might not even be able to get a mic under there. Yeah, like, you're going to have to move this. Mm-hmm. And, and I probably go to an extreme where my cymbals are pretty high up and I just angle them down. Um, but, I, you know, I like to have six inches to a foot of mm-hmm. space between a cymbal and the top of a drum. So... Yeah, I mean, really just symbol placement, but we'll talk about that next yeah, episode. the next episode. And it's not as important with the snare because the toms, for the most part, in your average song, aren't the most played thing in the yeah. song. Like, most of the time they aren't. The snare needs to be crisp and clear or placed in the mix to perfection because it is driving the groove of the yeah, song. Where backbone. Backbone, backbeat. Most songs with the types of musicians we're recording, the toms are just the accent parts. So yeah. you can... They're used for fills. Yeah, it's not that they're not important, but they are easier to clean up. They're more forgiving. Yeah. Unless they're just beating crashes and like barely <laughs> hitting toms. And then, you know, but then there's a, there's a lot more workarounds with toms than there are snares after you get the tom in tune and at least sounding well. Like, that's a given, is that yeah. all of the... All of the front end work has to be done before you even put a mic on it. And there's just a lot of details that drummers miss with toms and just these little things, you know, put some cotton balls in there, making sure the tension's even around the, the drum heads and you're relatively in pitch and just making sure your toms are tuned far enough apart, like we said at the top yeah. of the show. Like, that's that's pretty much your drum care. Like, yeah. 
you know, the angle of the tom doesn't really impact that much. Yeah, I, I really. I mean, unless you're doing something extreme. I mean, it does, but that it only matters if it's angled in a way that is like making your playing suffer yeah, from it. Like exactly. It's. But yeah, it doesn't matter necessarily like where they're placed above the kick drum and whatnot. Like some people would argue, I. It makes a difference technically, but I feel like it's such a small. It's difference so minuscule that, it, that it's kind of like. Yeah, it's it's not going to impact it's negligible it as much. Yeah. For there's so many other things that you yeah. should use your your budgeted time with, other than the yeah. angle of the toms. Again, unless it's an extreme case yeah, where it's, it's like, dude, inhibiting you're inhibiting the player yeah. from actually playing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if like you know if they're or for some reason you literally can't get a microphone in because of the way they yeah, have an angle. Some some drummers like to have them like so 80s inverted and flat yeah. that they have to like turn their wrists up to yeah, play and their drum like, fills are bad and you can't mic them properly. You're basically just like. Pointing at the floor. <laughs> You're pointing it at the edge of the cymbals, just yeah. hoping to catch. Like, you know, have them, you know, somewhere between flat and a f- negative 45-degree yeah. angle, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how you play and how it's set up. Yeah. But just tuck in, control that sustain a little bit, and, yeah, tune them so they're not just ringing for days. And your Tom recordings will get a little better. Any? Do you have any weird like effects that you typically do on a tom? Or um, we didn't talk about snare processing in the last episode, uh, but well, it's okay. that's people figured out. Can we make a quick cut right here? Yeah. I have to pee so Me too. Bad. I'm gonna literally die. Oh god. <laughs> I was like, I have some more to say about this. Like, I'm literally about to die. Yep. I'm gonna go outside because I'm smart.
Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was like, I literally, my vision started like, I started like tunnel visioning. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not good. I need to find a place where we can naturally pause. Yeah. Oh, fucking Christ. All right. Boom. Didn't even notice. Faded it. (laughs) Faded it. What kind of processing do I like on Tom's? Tom's. Um, I think you used the word effect, and it made me think. I have I have done some when I have some cool like pan Tom fills, adding like a phaser on them or something like that. That's always really cool. Um, I think my general processing with Tom's is gate that the slate drum gate is my my main thing these days. Um, Or if or I might have just you know cut everything out. Hmm. Um, Just a little bit of compression. Uh, depending on the genre of music, more or less, depending on what kind of sound I'm going for, I yeah. will use compression uh, for that that tonal change that mm-hmm. it gives. And so sometimes I might, you know, really go hard on it and then parallel compress. Yeah, it's so genre um, dependent. That... Yeah, but in general, slow with slow attack, fast release. Yep. Um, if I am doing like a heavy dense mix, I will mm-hmm. definitely boost a lot in the around the eight to ten k range to get a yep. little more of that that. If you will click out of the toms, Stick and then, attack. and then the low fundamental, um, mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's so important to have different pitches for each one of your toms yep. because if they're too close together, then when you go to boost the fundamental, you're boosting the same frequencies, and then you get a build yeah. up, and it's a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's also important to, again, depending, making sure that your floor tom is not too close to your kick drum in terms of frequency range, yeah. because then again, if your kick drum's at sixty hertz. And your floor toms at 65 or 70, like, you're not going to get as low of a floor. You're not going to get that same emphasis from your floor tom when it gets hit because yeah. it's, it's getting muddied by the kick and vice versa. Yeah, uh, generally speaking, I like the fundamentals of my floor tom to be somewhere in the 90 and above range because yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's low. It's low, but it's not – I don't want to get in too far that sub range because yeah. that's where my bass and my kick are generally going to sit. Yeah, and usually your floor toms are panned – left or right mm-hmm. depending on drummer or audience perspective. perspective um and a lot of the times when i process you know i'm 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 doing some mid side where i'm taking a lot of the low end mm-hmm. out of the sides because it just doesn't just blurs your image be, yeah i uh, i find a, uh, with a lot of the music that i mix currently i cut a lot of the mids out of the toms yeah S- scoop the mids um there's just not a lot of information in there that i like but it's funny because in my playlist, Ooh, hey. in, in my playlist, uh, I think my first few examples seem to not. I don't want to say mid heavy, but they, they don't do that. Tom, yeah. yeah, I mean, and they're they're older songs, and so that's that's why Probably, there wasn't yeah. a lot of that ripping away of these frequencies to shape it. It was more just like, hey, this is what the Tom sounds like. I'm just going to remove some of the. Yeah, you didn't have um, ten band parametric equalizers at your disposal. Yeah, so it was so. like you 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 boosted a little bit. And maybe cut just one of the one frequency the that worst, was really obnoxious, yeah. the worst of them all. But you didn't have a lot of you didn't have a lot of ability to just rip apart a track. Yeah, I'm probably doing two small cuts, you know, somewhere in the the tubbiness of the low mids. Mm. In the, oh, I like that the tubbiness. The three. That's a good one for the toms. Two to three hundred range again, depending on tuning and size. Of the I room. definitely try to get, get two hundred out of there because that's generally where I'm boosting my snare. snare and yeah. even though, because I find that just because I feel like we try to pan our toms a lot of the times uh-huh. in a mix very differently than they are actually set up on the drum kit. Because I think we, we mentioned this that generally, if you've got let's say you've got you know two I pan rack them and a wider, floor, yeah, you know they're right next to each other. Whereas 
in the mix, you don't want to hear them right next to each other. And especially because if they are, they're close yeah. together, they're also then right there where the snare is. And so if you've got yeah, a lot I mean, of clashing frequencies, that all starts to build up in the center more Your so. kick, your bass, your snare, and your vocals are usually what's going up center. Yeah. Um, um, that's a general mixing rule of thumb. I mean, you know, you it's not required that they're there, but mm-hmm. most mixes are. Yeah. That's what's... And so you'll find that you're... I think your stereo image will start to get pushed to the center more because yeah. of your toms if they have too much in common with your snare. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's the same thing with guitars. That yeah, if you're, just, your left and right guitars, even though they're stereo, you'll start to get a mono buildup when those frequency, when matching frequencies start to line yeah, up. Yeah, it's same like a thing, weird... It's, it's a, not masking, but it's like... Yeah, it happens. It's so bizarre because even though they're different takes, they will... All, some frequencies will become mono at times. Yeah, it's like it's not like the entire time, but it happens. And the same thing will happen, yeah. I think, with your toms um, when they start to hit. Yeah, is that you're like, why am I not getting the panning I want? It's because yeah. they're being played within the drum kit, and they're that masking thing yeah. happens. I very scientific what I just generally said. <laughs> pan my toms to about the width of my overheads. Yeah, sometimes a little past. Um, I don't pan my overhead super wide um, mm-hmm. I know we'll go more in detail with this next that week. is a big difference between us and I noticed it on that that recording the the dying recording that we sent that I sent mm-hmm. you to check is that I know that you mic'd the drums on that I was just I'll call it I was the the console guy at the time for yeah. that um, your overheads are uh, again this is uh, uh, comparatively who knows what narrow i really like wide overheads you do like to mix you like to record and and mix your overheads a little more narrow than i do i think that's really interesting yeah we'll we'll dive more but basically is that the uh i like the top end of my guitar Mm -hmm. and the top end of my cymbals around the same frequency range so i feel that if i just tuck my drums in a little bit i can mix the cymbals you know, because you're going to do, like, a courtesy cut in your vocals around where you boost your guitars. Mm-hmm. So that if that boost is in the same area as the overheads, I can mix the overheads just beneath the vocal. I got you. But they'll be far enough away from the guitars. The, the, the guitars will be, you know, front, not front and center, but they will be wide left and right and mm-hmm. very apparent. And then the cymbals just kind of fill in. No, that, ma- that, makes, that makes total sense. But, not starting the cymbal talk, but, you know, you have to usually pan your toms in accordance with where you have your overheads and room mics panned. Yeah. Unless you're doing, like, a weird panning effect thing, which could be cool, but, you know, before you get into automation, just your, your stock kind of, like, I'm throwing the faders up and I'm doing some rough pans so I can start this mix. Yeah. And I mean, get yeah. everything out of the center and yeah. start to get some, some, some space in my mix. Yeah. I, you know, it's that is an it's just a difference in approach. No side. Yeah, like exactly. It. I've watched videos of like mix engineers where they're just like, I pan my overheads wide left and wide right, like as far out as they can go, and then I try it, and I'm just like, I just don't like how this feels. <laughs> like, and I always, it's so funny because I try the opposite. I, I I try to to pan to to bring my overheads in closer, and maybe it's just the way that I like to I I track them to begin with. Yeah. When I start to bring them in closer. I'm just like, I just feel like it. I just don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> you know, different flavors, yeah, man. Different yeah. strokes. Different folks. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the only, like, tried and true processing that's on all of my toms is that they're getting routed to a stereo bus, um, which is then also getting routed to a, a master drum bus. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I did the same thing. Nothing. Actually, I if the toms are hit, I mean, like if I've got a mix where the toms are rarely ever hit, I won't really even bother. That's um, fair. You know, because I mean, there's sometimes like. I mean, like they might hit the toms one time in the fucking song, yeah, and yeah. it's like I'm not gonna bother with routing a bunch of stuff. I just get it to sound decent when it comes in, and yeah. that's it. But I mean, you know, you we I've gotten drum tracks to mix where like I, I don't want to call it a lazy approach, but like if I if it's not getting recorded, I won't even have it near the drums because drums are acoustic and they resonate. So mm-hmm. if I'm just playing, you know, if if you say Adam, I need you to just play kick snare hat for this like i'm gonna take all my cymbals down and i'm gonna move my toms across the room or i'm gonna put them in those cabinets behind mm-hmm. you and throw some packing blanks over packing blankets over them so they don't ring and get picked up by the room mics and i'm only gonna play what i need so yeah. like there's sometimes where like i've gotten tracks to mix and I'm like man like my drum mix just sounds muddy and then i realize i'm like oh they're not even hitting the floor tom but it's still kind of ringing yeah, at so times mm-hmm. gone yeah no, so, completely. Yeah. yeah, remove anything that you're not. Yeah, as far as Tom's, like, anything. if metal guys, like, are probably more guilty, like, if if you're not going to hit it or you're only going to hit it once, just don't bring it. Yeah. Like, we'll take it off the kit, you know? Yeah. No, I, I completely like, agree I would with that. much, re- if, if we're running home recording style eight inputs and you have three rack toms and a floor tom. Like, I'm going to ask you, how necessary is that 8-inch tom? Because I would much rather have a snare bottom mic than an 8-inch tom. And it's like, if they're literally only going to hit it like one or two times, then just have them hit it, overdub it, or hit it on the uh, second rack, and I'll just make a note, and I'll create a sample off of that, and I'll pan it a little differently, (laughs) you know? There's so many more things. If you're running low on inputs... Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think the same thing with cymbals. I know a lot of guys will, like, have a lot of cymbals, and they might only be hitting three of them in that particular song, Create some more space. Create some more room in the overhead track by taking away those symbols and spreading those things out, man. Get some more depth going on. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I completely agree. You ready to get to the playlist? Yeah. All right. It's the playlist for the week. And where can people find these playlists, Adam? Uh, You, the listener, can find these playlists on... I'm going to... I wanted to call it iTunes. It's Apple Music. Uh, They'll know what they mean when we say iTunes. (laughs) The, uh, The Gen... Gen Z iTunes, otherwise known as Apple Music, or uh, they will be on Spotify. Those are, yeah, those are the two places you can and find you the playlists. you will find the links to those playlists in the, in the description, description of this episode that you're listening to with your own ears. How yeah, crazy is that? If you are on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or you're watching us on YouTube. I think we just got approved for Google Play. Ooh, I'll have to double confirm it'll that. It'll be in the description. You'll go into the description and uh, you'll Click see. Click the link to the service you prefer. Exactly. Then you can join us on there. Yes, the whole point, if you are a first-time listener and you're just like, I want to listen to the Tom's episode, kick, snare, got that dialed, but Tom's, I don't know enough about it. Whole point of this podcast, you heard the tangent earlier in the episode, is connecting with ourselves and our hopeful future guests through uh, a five-ish song playlist. Uh, When I was interning in a studio, the game that we would play kind of on lunch breaks was just what were the five songs that you'd listen to in your car on the way over. I didn't. I cried in my I car. I cried. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> silence. When you said maybe. connecting with ourselves, I imagine Gwyneth Paltrow, and I really want to get her on the podcast. We are going to sell candles with our scents. Yes. Um, mine will be called Patreon subscribers can yep. get our socks, our used socks. Used from the show. gig socks. Used Sometimes gig socks. I work sixteen-hour live days, so 
Dude, I would love to have Gwyneth Paltrow on the podcast. That'd be great. Like, what music are you listening are, to, yeah. Gwyneth? Can I call you Gwen? Uh, can I call you Pal- the Paltrow? Why in uh, Avengers Endgame, when you all were back-to-back firing, why did you shoot at nothing? That's what I want to know. Why did <laughs> yeah, you storm what the hell? Yeah, what, what's going on? Or is this just uh, spray and pray, just kind of firing from the hip? <laughs> <laughs> Aiming at nothing. And they yeah. also didn't address the fact that she got all those like superpowers, right, from uh, Iron Man three. Yeah, she got injected with the heat. Yeah, uh, well, at the I end, did know. they remove it? Maybe they did. I didn't really like Iron Man three. It kind of was a blur for me. I liked it better than two. I did. Yeah, I felt like Iron Man two was very just anticlimactic. I just yeah, felt like the whole thing like, was kind of like, mm, yeah. Uh, you know, what? I will say this: this is a very controversial. Well, I did like thing. the scene though when him and uh, Rhodey. Yeah. Rudy? Rudy? Rudy. Rudy are they're like back to back. Boom, 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 boom. That was, that Actually was hitting yeah. stuff? Yeah. That was cool with all the other robots. That was fun. The It just, it could have been better. Uh, the, uh, the only time I enjoy ACDC is when Tony Stark is playing it through some yeah, sort same. of jet. Other than uh-huh. that, I have no desire yeah, to listen to really. it. Yeah, not really. Or when Jack Black is doing a rendition of ACDC. That, that's kind of I'm a big Jack Black fan over yeah. here. I'm a big Black Jack fan. Black, yeah, you know. All right. Playlist. I think uh, I think I chose. I think I went first last time. So what's number one? Number one. Uh, you have if you've listened to the last episodes and have listened to the playlist, you will know that my favorite drum sounds of all time are off of A Perfect Circle's The Thirteenth Step. Two thousand three. Call it two thousand three. Uh, so I'm going to pick a different song from that album, uh, and that song is Weak and Powerless. In my notes, uh, the song is W-E-A-K, as in, like, you have no strength. Uh, and my notes turned it to W-E-E-K. Oh, nice. So, Weak yeah. powerless. Days and powerless. You know, it's not... There are toms in the groove, kind of on some quarter notes, or maybe the offbeats of quarter notes. I, I'm not listening to it, so I can't say. But uh, they are felt, and and you can hear them being hit, but they're not, like... They kind of just push the song along. Kind of that, you know. Yeah. It's good. Just a good, not over-the-top Tom sound. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. My number one. I I gave you the spoiler preview earlier, but Rush. Now, honestly, any of the, I'll call it, I think any of the pre-80s stuff, because um, the 80s stuff, then they started getting a lot of the synthesizer stuff. They got into that 80s sound, which I love, but for, for Tom's, uh, any of the 1960s and 70s Rush stuff. But I picked uh, Xanadu off of, I think it's Hemispheres. I don't know. I'm uneducated. I think it's Hemispheres. Um, but any of that, like I said, any of that 70s Neil Pert work where he's just got every single one of those Toms is a clearly defined different pitch. Yep. Um, there is a nice, like I mentioned earlier, there's like a mid-presence to the Toms of that era that I, I do really enjoy. I don't know if it necessarily works today, no. but in the context of those less dense mixes where everything, nothing was hyper-real. Yeah, um, I would I would guess, not to cut you off, mm-hmm. but they probably had three bands of EQ for yeah. that channel. So, mm-hmm. But I like it, and I really like how, I almost feel like you can hear the drum head, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you can really kind of get you, it sounds like a drum. Yeah. Uh, it does. I feel like a lot of toms nowadays don't really sound like they how sound toms like sound. Yeah. Like EQ blips. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or is this? It's like, oh man, that's a drum. That's a that is a piece of of 
uh, I don't know, I was going to say felt. That's like a, a drum head that's a skin that's some type of material that's stretched Film. over top of a drum. I don't know. I just feel like that. those toms on that record, yeah. on, on any of that Rush stuff, really just, that's what a tom should sound like. Yeah. You know, if it worked in modern day music, I would love it, but I don't think it does. But in in those old records, it's it's killer. I love it. It's you know, if sound. you got the vintage vibe, it'll work. You know? Yeah, if you're going for the vintage vibe, it's a great sound. Sweet. Uh, you know, what? we're gonna stick with a lot of toms, um, and I'm gonna go with the Tom Petty. Toms being hit by Danny Carey, which is always <laughs> a good thing to hear and see. Uh, it's a reoccurring theme in my life. I like the way the man hits the drums. Uh, you do. Fear Inoculum off of Fear Inoculum by Tool. Um, self-titled off the album Self-Titled, self-titled. by the uh, band. If self-titled. I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty sure those toms are inverted in the tuning where the batter head is tuned higher than the resonant head. So if you want to brush up on that, how it sounds... I believe that song is tuned that way. They're one of the ones on the new album is, and I don't remember off the top of my head. I really want to pick a Led Zeppelin song, but I just Led Zeppelin's not one of my favorite bands. I like them, but I just yeah. I feel like we should have for one drum episode had them on here. Um, but oh you well. know, there's still more fun to be had as far as Ooh. you know. Believe it or not, there's a lot of stuff that goes into recording drums. So I True. believe Led Zeppelin because I just feel like for John Bonham is like. You know the foundational yeah. rock drummer. Yeah, so I feel like you have to mention him. If but, um, my memory serves me correct, and by memory I mean podcast schedule, notes. episode seven more than likely on my playlist will feature some John Bonham action. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to bring that in too. For me, number two, a little. Uh, not a lot of people know the man. They might. They might re- not realize how influential he was, but. Uh, St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast by Frank Zappa off the album Apostrophe. Nice. There are a lot of great tones on that entire record. That's a fun record. Uh, that beat of the drums is very tom-focused. Okay. Um, it's only two toms, and I really like it because the rack tom is actually panned. Uh, everything's panned uh, audience perspective. So, okay. Or maybe it was a left-handed drummer. I don't know, actually. i got to look into that. But... Um, I really think it's a great balance because he's hitting the toms so often and making a beat out of them. Yeah. There's not too much ring, but you still get this nice body and this nice resonance of the drums yeah. that um, I-, I guarantee you those toms were tuned to the key of the song Probably. because there's this musicality to the toms in that that recording that I think blends so nicely yeah. with the chimes and the guitar that's going on. There was uh, a guy who worked, I don't I'm not the most familiar with Zappa's catalog, but on Andrew Shep's podcast, he talked with an engineer that worked with Zappa. I don't remember who it was. It was just one of those where, like, I have, like, two and a half hours of chores worth to do, and this Andrew Shep's episode is, like, two and a half, so I'm going to pop my headphones in and and plow through my day. And he was talking about working with Zappa, and he was very detail-oriented. So more than likely, they probably... Got them as close to in tune. Because yeah, I mean like, it is it is it's pretty incredible. Yeah. The, what happens when you pay attention to those toms? Like, whoa, they really you know if those toms yeah. are tuned any different, it wouldn't do create that same like. I don't mean harmony as in like pitch harmony. Mm-hmm. I mean harmony as in all things coming together and being like up. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, we're we're in harmony together. Like that's what happens there. Yeah, it's really it cool. glues the song yeah. together. Yeah. It's it's really awesome. Um, number three for me. Spoonman by Soundgarden. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that further 
emphasizes what I said about weak and powerless and how I like my toms. Is like mm-hmm. if you listen to that, they are the driving force of the song, yeah. but they're not that in your face. Like uh-uh. they are. You can hear them being hit, and you can feel how low they are. And if you listen in good headphones, like you can hear the ring, yeah. and it is right on the edge of being too much. They just they do something. I, I that's not in my list, but. The bottom on them. They just have oh. that bottom, you know, as, you know, we all talk about a nice bottom. And that yeah. those toms have a nice bottom. And it's just like, whew, it just, you, you like, <clears throat> to reference another one of the songs, My Wave. You just, yeah. you hop on it. It just takes you on this wave. And those toms mm-hmm. just carry you. It's nice. It's, Matt Cameron is so Love good. Love him. Um, number three for me. And this is, um, well, on this particular song, uh, Cut Through the Static by State Champs. That is okay. a, a modern pop-punk record. I've got another actual pop-punk song on here, too, because I, I really like pop-punk toms because I think they are a really good middle ground between getting good tone but also being punchy and being yeah. able to cut through a mix. There's a lot of cool rhythmic accents in pop-punk mm-hmm. that are on the toms where the average person would probably do, like, a snare flam yeah. or a No, I think pop-punk drummers are really, really cool with that. But uh, I, I really want to bring up that... Uh, Ah, crap. I had his name on the t- I was going to bring up his name, and all of a sudden I just brain farted about who did that record. John Feldman. Ah, uh, uh, Feldy. Feldy, dude, his drum tones that he gets are, they're incredible. Like, yeah. honestly, like, I feel like, I don't have the other notes from the other ones. I feel like I mentioned some of his other songs, but honestly, he is one of the kings of drum tones, in my opinion. Yeah, he especially gets, for modern yeah. Radio-y yeah, radio music, stuff. Yeah, radio music, radio rock stuff. Because I feel like he does such a great job. Just like I said with not the... Not the most uh, natural sound, but they are good. Yeah, but I feel like he... They might not... I think sometimes, though, like, you know, I feel like with the State Champ stuff, I feel like it is... It's as close to natural as you can get in that in genre. That genre. Okay. And, I, and I like it. I'm unfamiliar, I cool. so I shouldn't come. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you can get your toms relatively close to that in real life. Okay. Um, and I think it's a really cool balance. Cool. Uh, number four for me, uh, Hysteria by Muse. Again, nice. uh, same Tom vibe. You get the Toms I like mm-hmm. at this point. Um, <laughs> it just it builds nice. Um, they they serve the song well. Um, they're they're not in your face. I mean, they're pretty in your face at the beginning because they're the driving factor of the song. But they, you know, they're not ripping your head off. They don't sound like cannon fire or like eq blips there there's just a it's a good natural aggressive tom sound you know i i went through and there's just this kiss of like (laughs) stadium or like hall reverb Mm -hmm. on them like it's like almost metallica-esque but not and it's just this kiss of attack from the reverb on them that's very nice see muse got brought up to me uh like a couple months ago and i meant to go through a a a muse listen through again because i i remember in early high school i got into them um they were my first concert they were like i I think i can't remember the names of the records but i remember getting really into them and they were kind of one of those gateway bands that i didn't they didn't become one of my favorite bands but they got me into other bands that that became favorites so i've been meaning for a time and now you've brought this up to go back and check this out a weird tie back to the last episode so uh muse was my first concert they were the headliners of of the first professional concert that i went to um the band silver sun pickups opened yeah I really like them. I didn't. I didn't like them enough at the time. They're a little too proggy and mellow for my like cool bullet for my Valentine T-shirt wearing eighth grade ass. Ooh. But um, those are the days, man. Like the the drummer for Silver Sun Pickups really hit hard. Mm-hmm. Like he was, uh, and and there was this sound 
from the snare drum that I heard. And more than likely, it was just a clip snare going into a plate reverb, <laughs> which is what I love. So, yeah, I didn't mention that last episode. I just remembered that now. And it was just such a, like, I didn't know anything about audio then. We were up, uh, we were in the arena in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and we were, like, facing the stage, like, you know, not adjacent, but like in parallel with it, like the far back. Yeah. But we were the front row of the balcony. So I could look down and I just saw all these lights, which I now know were like the sound console yeah. and the light board. <laughs> like, what is the light show down there? Yeah. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Clip your snares into your Clip verbs, your snares. Number four for me, again, another pop punk song, February Weather uh, by In Her Own Words. That has got a very uh, Tom heavy beat in the intro. Um, and I think. I really like the way the toms are tuned there because between the rack and the floor, there's this nice bouncy play. Mm. You know, it, it's part to do with the panning, but I think, like we talked about before, panning just panning doesn't get your toms where they need to be because yeah. you've got to remove or, or accent frequencies. And however this engineer did it with the, the tuning of the drums, it really creates this nice bouncy feel that um, you get this really nice panning effect nice. Um, that's really, really cool that's not only, you know, Dimensional. It's also uh, harmonically panned in a way, I guess, just because the notes. Okay. I don't know the notes. The note choices. The, the the difference between the notes. The interval between those two notes creates this really nice harmony. Yeah, um, that makes that, sense. That, that's really cool. They, um, you're describing them like they are appropriately tuned tom. Yeah, it's a really really cool effect. And then they're just really. Um, they're not too aggressive. They're punchy because it's it's a pop mm-hmm. punk song, but they've got this just I don't know. I think it was the way the guy hit him. He hit him very consistently. You can tell even yeah. when you've compressed toms, you can tell when they're inconsistent hits. Yeah. And the hits on these are just really nice and smooth sounding. They don't feel too pokey. They're just it's very smooth. I like nice. it. It's nice. Uh 5 for me uh is i'm i'm between two songs from the same artist off of two different albums uh we'll go with black tongue by mastodon off of the hunter i think the the red one with the goat looking thing um so i believe on that record there's no resonant heads it's all just batter heads oh okay Uh, bronze got some awesome tom sounds it's very unconventional Uh, i can't we could have talked about that earlier take the resonant head off and experiment with it a little bit Take the batter head off. Don't even hit the top. Yeah, don't even <laughs> just open GarageBand and tap away. Uh, it's just, it, it's a vintage approach to drums because back in the day, you know, your your Bonhams and some of the other people weren't playing. Your, your Phil Collinses of the world were not playing uh, resonant heads on the toms. Um, and a lot of people don't really approach that as a modern production choice. And I, what I love about Mastodon is they are... A metal band, but a lot of their choices are not cliche metal choices. Yeah. So it's, I love their new record. By the way, unique. I think it's. I love the engineering on it. I think it is. Good. A lot of people, a lot of old school Mastodon fans, don't like their new stuff, um, just because it's not farther metal, away. Yeah. But I, I love it. I think I appreciate them as one of these bands that instead of doing the uh, and there's nothing wrong with this doing the fallout boy where yeah. it's just like fallout boy went from being this this fun pop punk band that was very tongue in cheek to just being this kind of pop rock it's really cringy to me yeah. like you know I, you know don't get me wrong like you know some of their their hooks are catchy but it's just i don't know whereas mastodon is a band that's like yeah you can be mad that they changed their sound but it feels like a natural progression that it's like you know yeah, I, anybody I, that's a musician anybody that really 
dives deep into their craft yeah. of being a musician, I feel like evolves over time. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, absolutely. And your stuff is going to change. And I think their cha- the changes that they've made over time have been a natural progression. And I, I love seeing it. Yeah, because they're not doing it because it's just like, you know, if we got more weird and atmospheric, we would sell more records. It's just like, you know, like they could, they could make an album that sounds like Leviathan again and all the old school people would love it. But they'd it, still it, bitch about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel the same way about Thrice. Is just like they're the type of band that's just like, yeah, we're gonna do what we want, and if we lose twenty fans per yeah. city, because no, I feel they like, don't like Thrice is another band fine. that I really respect. Even if I don't necessarily love everything new that they come out with, I can still go. This feels genuine. This feels yeah. like a genuine change. I just don't like the changes that don't feel genuine. Yeah. Um, but then again, they have nicer houses. Their cars are paid for, and they're yeah, touring and in buses. So you know, you know and if, if, if they're happy with that, if they're doing it for reasons like that, we're like, you know what? I want to make this money. I don't want to do this forever. Like, mm-hmm. good on you, man. I'm not going to judge you on it. I just don't like it. But yeah, that doesn't mean I'm not going to participate. Still, yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean I don't still respect you. It's like, dude, you, you doing? You're making more money than I am. So. Yeah, I will. <laughs> no one's buying my t-shirts. Yeah, no so one's. you know, it's just I just don't listen to that music anymore. But yeah. Number five, uh, I know I've referenced this record before because it's one of my favorite records, but uh, Permian, The Great Dying by the Ocean off of Phenerozoic One. So heavy. Uh, so good. So good. That is like peak. That is they, Those drums are like, if you've got like a, a graph, a scale or whatever like that, yeah. they are like right before you get to the point of where you start getting into that beyond hyper-realistic drums. Yeah. They are right there on the edge of... As aggressive and as punchy as you can get drums before they become not drums anymore, they become just something else. Yeah. I love it. The sna- I, I, We talked about the snare. I talked about the kick. But the, the toms on those are really nice. They still have a warmth to them. They still have a, a body. They sound... When I say deep, I don't mean deep like like up and down deep. I mean like forward to back. It feels like when those toms dimension. get hit, they have dimension. There's to this three D dimension to the toms on on that record and that, that song in particular because that song in particular has a really nice dynamic range where the song starts off slow and a little not as busy, not as heavy, and then it builds up to this huge level. It's the last song on the record. Yeah, and it's it, it really awesome toms there. For most of the stuff that I work on. I would love to kill. I would kill to have that drums that drum sound and then just kind of tweak it here and there for yeah. my for needs. But that that's me is Yeah. Toms. It this was a hard I think we talked about this earlier. It was a hard playlist to pick. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is a really tough one. Um I feel like I want to give a a, a uh, just a uh a, a quick cons- uh conciliatory prize and shout out to anything done in the 80s. Yeah. I love that. That that oh my god! Electronic pad ele- firework drum yeah, sound. Gated re- oh god, it's great. I love when bands. Honorable mention: um, Haken's 1985. Uh, okay. Aptly named because it's got modern drum sounds, but then it goes into this section where it's got the digital drums. Oh, oh nice. it's it's beautiful. It's awesome. But I love that sound. Like any of those Van Halen records from the 80s when they were doing that, yeah, where you yeah, listen yeah. to Alex's drums and they're just... Oh, I love it. Yeah, I mean, there's... I'm glad it's done with. We've said it in every episode. Is like these? We're not picking the best sounding necessarily individual instruments but we are we're picking our personal references when we go to put a microphone on a source like and what we think does a really great job of fitting the context of the song because yeah. i feel like i think that's what makes i think it's what makes an instrument sound bad is right. when it just does not feel like it belongs with the rest of them when yeah. it doesn't feel like it belongs with like man that that you know 
and I, I, you know, and it might sound contradictory to what I said at the last episode about like I think it's really cool that 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 loath song uses the electronic drum sound. Um, but the snare is an individual work. instrument yeah. in the drum kit, where you yeah. kind of want your toms to have some sort of consistency. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this was fun though. This was this was fun to try to do something that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anybody that's really pa- passionate about toms. Like, oh man, let's talk about toms. So I think this is a fun. Fun uh, exercise I, for us to kind of dive into it. I've only ever had passionate discussions about Tom's when someone's arguing against my points, or when it's Tom Cruise, or when it's Tom Cruise. <laughs> which Mission Impossible movie? Or the if best. we're talking mustaches, Tom Selleck. Shout out! Oh man, yeah, what a mustache! Yeah, that guy. We should do a an ode to Selleck. I'm really mad. Okay, I know what we have to do for our future Tom episode. Yep, we need to shave, shave and yeah. just have the Tom Selleck mustaches. We get a guy named Tom on. and Hawaiian shirts, really short bathing suit shorts. And we'll stare at the camera for a good 20 seconds just, when that episode starts to be like, does anybody remember? We won't say, does anybody remember this, but it'll just be that acknowledgement. Did that, he wear, was it a, a, a Detroit hat? Detroit Tigers hat? I can't remember. You're talking about Magnum? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do that. When we, when we come back to Tom's one day, we, <laughs> we're going to make a note. But, um... But this was cool though. Catch us. So next episode though, a little pre. Next episode, we're talking about overheads and room mics. No, next episode. No, no room mics is the episode after overheads. Oh, so next, just overheads. Next episode is going to be a lot of symbol talk. Cool. Um, and then overheads, and then Ooh, we're breaking those up. All right. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like um, symbols is a very. It's as deep as snares. Okay. Um, cool. Maybe not as subjective, um, but there's you can't change really what your symbols sound like other than a couple little like yeah that's true you know you could put some gaff tape on the bottom if it's too washy but you know this is just my opinion of what sim like if you have a good a better understanding of what symbols are mm-hmm. you can make smarter overhead choices and then Ooh. yeah so next episode will be symbols and overheads and then the episode after that we have it scheduled out for a preview will be room mics and spot mics cool and then to round out the drums after rooms and spots we will be covering minimalistic and creative drum recording awesome that'll and be fun and then we will be moving on to the bass bomb the bass that's my area that's me debate. I do that I play that thing he plays that I We're, do I slap a bass man the good things about those episodes is I'm not gonna have that big of an opinion cause I don't know that much oh, about oh I got it. a lot of opinions about bass you get ready for it you yeah. get ready for it it's gonna be a hellfire we're gonna burn this table oh please don't <laughs> We're at the podcast. We're a minimalist podcast. We yeah. podcast on the floor. But uh, yeah, so yeah, again, you guys can check us out. Apple Podcasts, Apple Music is where the playlists are going to be. Spotify. Spotify for your pods and your playlists. I think we got approved by Spotify to upload videos Woo! to Spotify. So, so you don't even need those. to click the YouTube, but you should subscribe to Reflections Artist Collective. We have a Patreon. We're on the Instagram. It's all under Reflections Artist Collective. Friend yes, us on they, Facebook. They are what they are. We got to give big shouts. Reflections Artist Collective. They've been a real big support here. A real big supporter of the backseat playlist. Boom. Um, there's some really cool guys. Good guys working behind that team. Yep. Good. Uh, and, we uh, shouted out ourselves. Um, you know, Reflections Artist Collective is the umbrella core. Core. Corp. 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 Corporation. 
Yeah. It's, you know, it's... Even though we're against corporations. It's the network. The Backseat Playlist is just the podcast series. There's going to be Loads audio nerd content. content and really bad jokes. And, you know, just stick around and boogie. Yeah, this is this is only the beginning. So please like, subscribe, comment. Tell us what you like about the show. Tell us what you don't like. Give us some, you know, we are open to criticism. Just don't... Destroy my soul. Because well, I haven't been saying broken. do what you love, love what you do, travel light, and don't be a dick. Ooh. Yeah, if you have criticisms, just don't be a dick about yeah, it. I can't handle it. Yeah, like, my favorite you know, band broke up. Like, know, cut me some we... slack. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to hear more of? What would you like to hear less of? Um, you know, do you want us to interject a little more life? Not not life as an energy, but like bring in a little more life talk into the podcast. Yeah. What do you want to hear? Let us know. Um, rate us. Comment. We need to control rate, the algorithm. Rate. Don't raid our studio. We know. Don't raid my microphone. I mean, you know, you could take a 57 or Now, two. if you want to hop in a lobby and we'll raid on, I don't know, Raid Shadow Legends. Oh, man, if we get sponsored oh, by them, that'd, that'd be, be cool. great. I mean, I hate that game. If you but... have an ant problem, buy some raid. Yeah, buy some raid. Raid those Sponsor ants. Us. Um, <laughs> thank you, guys. We appreciate everyone that's <laughs> been tuning in with us and sharing all the content. It's been a lot of fun. Um, five stars only. Five or stars. four, you know. Or you know, six. If you could find four. a way to do six. That'd be yeah, cool. two episodes of three stars of <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Please check out the podcast. Check out the playlist. Subscribe. Like. Follow. Follow. Uh, follow us on social medias. Yeah. Follow Phoenix's band, Marzy yeah, Maddox. Marzy Maddox. Follow, uh, you know, on, you're, you're on Instagram. Follow your neighbor around. See what they do. <laughs> Let us know. What is your neighbor doing on, on the weeknights? Yeah. Uh, what are they listening to? should listen to this podcast you know if you know a struggling audio engineer in your life send make them yeah, listen to our it. podcast yeah, exactly share it with them share us with your grandma she might find us funny yeah. and charming you know but who knows but uh i'm phoenix i am adam this has been the black <laughs> oh. <laughs> this has been the the backseat playlist podcast brought to you by reflections arts collective interior of your car could be black black leather on a hot summer day Ooh, that's painful that's 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 your definition of luxury, <laughs> upper middle class government worker. Patreon subscribers, be sure to check out the uh, the behind the scenes footage we'll upload for uh, this couple episodes. Yeah, did I mention that if you're a Patreon subscriber, you get behind the scenes content, early access, and we hit record on the camera as soon as we walk in the room, so you get to see all of the pre show talk. Ooh yeah. 18 plus. Maybe even a bathroom break or two. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> all right, guys, we'll the catch you in the next episode. Post. Stay safe out there. I feel so productive. We did it, man. Woo!